Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. With me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Hallelujah. Thank you, dear Father God, for your holy written word. We study it with reverence and humility knowing we can trust our lives to its provisions. Holy Spirit, lead us, guide us, and direct us into all the truth. Enable us to receive revelation knowledge. Enlarge our capacity to receive it, that we may, dear Father God, walk as doers of your word and not hearers only. Thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost, that I may boldly proclaim the truth of your word in the power of the Spirit, that our faith would rest not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Something that has been upon my heart for quite a while, and we touched it somewhat last week, last Sunday evening here, really spontaneously by the Spirit of God, and I'd like to pursue that just a little bit further this evening, if I may. Very often when you begin to learn about what is called the faith message, Now, you know, we didn't call it the faith message. We don't call it the faith message. It has been classified or termed as being the faith message. All we know it to be is the word of God, which happens to be the word of faith. Because Paul said it's the word of faith that we preach. But when you teach and preach along the lines of strong faith, having strong faith in God, which the Bible says we should have strong faith. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Very often... I think there are those that think we rule out the fact that man is an emotional being. Man has emotions and also feelings. And therefore, sometimes we fail to respond properly when we encounter emotional upheaval within our lives. And so therefore, I'd like this evening to maybe make some statements that will help clarify and better assist us when it comes to standing firm in faith, yet knowing what we can do with our emotions when they seem to want to get in the way. Now, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual growth and development, but I guarantee you that your emotions will always get in your way and try to prevent you from growing and developing spiritually. Isn't that true? As a matter of fact, let's put it this way. The spiritual man is one whose spirit, through the renewed mind, controls his body. But the person who's carnal is the one who his body, through the unrenewed mind, controls his spirit and holds it in bondage. Paul says, I can't speak unto you as spiritual, only as unto carnal, as babes in Christ. Why? Because their emotions had the better of them. Their emotions were controlling their lives. They were still walking in strife and debate and criticism and all those different things 
and they were competing with one another, and who's of Paul, who's of, of, Silas, of, of uh, Apollos, rather, and Cephas and all that. And he says, look, aren't you carnal? In other words, your unrenewed mind, the body and the unrenewed mind hooked up together to keep your spirit man in bondage, and therefore you're not growing and developing spiritually. And I can't really speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. Well, think about it, beloved. If we're a triune being, spirit, soul, and body, and we have a vote, who's going to have the majority rule? Two out of three kind of rules, doesn't it? So if the body through the unrenewed mind votes against spiritual things, what happens? We're controlled by the flesh. For an example, if you say like tonight, I'm going to go home tonight after this service is over, I'm going to read my Bible for one hour. You know what happens? The body and the soul say, let's have a vote on that. The body says, I'm hungry. <laughs> right? And your soul begins to wonder. Your mind begins to waver and wonder, you know, and says, you know, I'm just going to get uh, off on tangents. And we'll find out just how long you stay in the Word of God. As a matter of fact, I think I'm going to get a little sleepy, says the body. You've never been there. You never go home in the evening after a service and, and you want to read the Word of God and all of a sudden your head's laying down on the Bible. You've never done that, have you? You know what that means? The majority ruled. Your body, I mean, it's how it is in a democracy, isn't it? Your body and your soul hooked up together against your spirit. Now, in those times of prayer, when you say, I'll tell you what I'm going to set out, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray through, I'm going to pray till I get an answer. Or I'm going to pray this situation all the way through until I know I have the victory in my spirit. How many of you know that the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak? And that's pretty big talk until your body says, I'm sleepy. And your soul says, didn't you know that all this stuff has to be done? You've got to take out the garbage. You've got to do this and you've got to do that. And your mind just begins wandering off and tangents and all that. You could be sitting out there right now and I just mentioned food one time and all of a sudden your mind's out to lunch or supper. <laughs> Did he mention food? I mean, the anointing of God is flowing, the power of God is flowing, all of a sudden you're having, you know, just the blessings of God falling upon you, rising up big on, the inside, big on the inside of you and all of a sudden the vote begins to take place and what hits you? I haven't had my Big Mac tea. And there you are, you know, the anointing of God is just falling and the power of God is flowing and, and all of a sudden this thought just hits you right over there. You know what, I've got ironing to do at home. And all of a sudden you're out to lunch. I mean, you know, you're, you've departed from the anointing, you've departed from spiritual things, you're taken off in, in another direction right there where you're sitting. It's when your body and your soul vote your spirit out. You could really want to pray about that situation. But the moment you spend about five minutes in prayer, all these thoughts go through your mind. And mm, before you know it, well, that was a good thought. What happened? Your body and soul dominated you. And that's the way it is with all of us. Don't think that anyone is different. We're all the same. We all have the same makeup, spirit, soul, and body. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And therefore, it's our responsibility to do something about growing up spiritually so that we can, with our spirits, through the renewed mind, see there we have a majority.
the spirit through the renewed mind control the actions of the body. And not the body through the unrenewed mind controlling the actions of the spirit. That's what spiritual growth and development is all about. And we're all responsible individually for ourselves. If I don't do anything about controlling my body through the renewed mind, it won't be done. Well, let me just put it this way. Spirit, soul, and body. The spirit of man has been born again, regenerated, and has the life and nature of God. The soul of a man, made up, which is comprised of his will and emotions, has not been affected by the new birth. And the body of a man obviously has not been affected by the new birth. Now, we understand that salvation is a progressive thing. Your spirit man has already been saved. That's fact. That's final. It's it. You're a child of God. You're born again. Heaven is your home. But the, the soul of man, James 1.21 says, let's turn to that. I'll just quote them all, but let's, let's turn to that before we get back to this. James 1.21 says, the soul of a man has got to be dealt with. If the soul is not dealt with, which is a continual thing. It's a progressive thing. The soul of man needs to be saved. And that part is progressive. The soul needs saved. See, that part, soul, is not talking about spirit. Spirit has been saved. Soul is being saved. Soul is the emotional part of man, his will and emotions and all that. It's up to us to do something about the soul. The soul is part of man, our souls. Otherwise, the body will rule through the unrenewed mind and our emotions will dominate our spirit man. Wherefore, well, let's back up to verse 18. James 1.18 Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity or overflowing of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save, which means, more literally, deliver yourselves from your what? Souls, which means corrupt reasoning faculties. Man's problem is with his reasoning faculties. His reasoning faculties, if you recall from the very beginning, got him into trouble. Satan spoke some words to the mind of, of Eve. And what happened? She entertained those thoughts. Those thoughts entered in and then began to dominate her in spirit. And she was controlled and then acted. The body and soul controlled, was in control then, and acted apart from the will of God. Well, beloved, when we get saved, the spirit is brought back into harmony with God, but the soul has not been dealt with and the body has not been dealt with. Now, the body is going to be dealt with, and that's future. We have a blessed hope of being changed in a twinkling of an eye, but we don't have that now in this life. But we can have the earnest of that inheritance, which means our bodies can be healthy, full of vitality and strength because of the life of God that is within us and protected from sickness and disease and all these different things. But here, he, James is writing and he's saying to these people, look, you're, you're saved because in verse 18, God gave birth to you by the word of truth. But now you've got to get that same word of truth, receive it into your spirit so that your soul can be dealt with, saved. So that you can deliver yourselves from your corrupt reasoning faculties. Their thinking was wrong. They thought wrong thoughts about God and thought they were right. And therefore, they were being held in captivity. They weren't able to use strong faith to stand against the, the forces of darkness. So James says, your, your soul needs to be dealt with. Your soul needs saved. He restoreth my what? Soul. The soul, our intellect, our will and emotions has got to be dealt with with the Word of God, by the Word of God. The light that is in our spirit must make its way into our emotional realm, intellectual realm, 
the realm of our will. Why? So that we can, from the Spirit, through the renewed mind, control the physical body. Same thing is, is referred to back in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul, writing by the inspiration of the Spirit of God, says, and we can turn to that. Look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual service, your reasonable service, or your spiritual service. And be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Notice that it's the responsibility of the child of God to do something with his soul and also with his body. The soul has got to be renewed. We've got to be transformed, not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of the mind so that we can prove what is the will of God. Otherwise, the body will control through the unrenewed mind. And that's why Paul here is saying, look, you've got to do something with your bodies. Present them to God as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your responsibility or your spiritual act of worship to God. So once we've been saved in spirit, our spirit man is reborn by the power of God, regenerated, then we must get into the Word of God so that the Word of God can straighten out our thinking and deal with our emotions and our will. Otherwise, of course, our will and emotions will control us. The body and the soul hooking up together, teaming up together and controlling us and preventing us from doing the will of God. How many of you have found out that Jesus was right when he said the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak? Did you find that out? Did you find that to be true? How many of you can start the day out with just, just great intentions? You're going off to work. I'm telling you, you've got a song in your heart. You've got a, a spring in your step. You are singing, I've got the life of God in me. I've got the life of God in me. I've got His power. I've got His life. I've got His love. I've got the victory in the name of Jesus. I am God's love person. I'm going to channel God's love today. I'm going to be a channel of His love, channel of His power, of His grace, of His wisdom. And you're off to work. And I'm telling you, you're just floating high. You're just, you know, you're just so engulfed with the power, the presence, and the might of God. And then you get in your work environment and you find out it's a whole different ball game. It didn't take three minutes for your body and soul to hook up and get you out of the love realm. Why do you think that is? Because, see, we've got to put forth effort and energy so that we could be more stable in those adverse environments and let the spirit man control through the renewed mind. See, otherwise, our emotions will take hold. We'll want to stand up for our own selfish rights, our own selfish ways. We'll want what we want because we want it. And before you know it, you're out of the realm of love. You're walking in the realm of selfishness. Your, your, your emotions are controlling you once again. And you can get into strife and arguing with people. And that's not just in a work environment. That's in any environment. That's in, in a church-related environment. That's just even with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. If we're not careful, we can slip out of the spiritual realm, right down to the emotional realm, and our emotions can control us. That's exactly why these people were saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Apollos. What kind of a spirit is that? They were carnal. Carnal means their body ruled. Their bodies were ruling them through the unrenewed mind. They didn't know the first thing about walking in the realm of love. Why do you think... That Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and gave them the love chapter. Told them all about love, the love of God, what it was all about. So Why? So that they would be controlled by that. So the Word of God would govern them and, and love of God would regulate their lives. So that they can have their minds renewed to love and then they would grow and develop spiritually. So he told them they were carnal, but he gave them a way out of their carnality. And that was to get a hold of the Word of God and the love of God and walk in the light of it. 
Well, now let's go back over to, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3. The body is, it has got to be dealt with. It's got to be kept under. The soul has got to be renewed as we flood ourselves, our spirit man's with the word of God. So that we're not controlled by the body through the emotions or the unrenewed mind. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I want you to notice the Apostle Paul writing here makes the statement. For though we walk in the flesh, in other words, we are living in physical bodies. We are in contact with physical forces, personalities, and all these different things. In this realm of life in which we live. But we do not war after the flesh. Our warfare is not of a physical or natural nature. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the bullying, pulling down of strongholds. They are satanic strongholds, casting down imaginations or images or reasonings. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, there are many reasons why we can have emotional upheaval in our lives. You could have suffered a tragedy in your life, maybe the loss of a loved one, and you have emotional upheaval. Bereavement comes upon you. It should, because it's a natural thing, but in excess. The spirits of darkness, the forces of darkness, play on your emotions. They see a weakness in your life. And they cause a spirit of grief to come upon you. See, it's proper and natural to have emotions. It's proper and natural in that time of bereavement. To have sorrow, the loss of a loved one or whatever. It's natural. It's not improper. It's not wrong. It's not a lack of spirituality. It's a proper thing. Our emotions have got to be released. There's no problem with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But if we go on and on and learn not how to deal with that problem of bereavement with the Word of God, instructing our spirit man in the Word of God and then renewing our mind to it, then we get off. And as we begin to get off, we're so involved in our sorrow, in our grief, in our hurting, that we open up ourselves to a wrong spirit that can come in and inject all kinds of thoughts into our thought realm. And when they come, if we're not careful, the enemy can produce strongholds. See, thoughts will first come, which will produce images reasonings within our mind and images that we see. And then finally, a stronghold is developed over our minds. And then all of a sudden, the body through the unrenewed mind or through the emotions that have not been controlled by the Word of God are now dominating the spirit life and grief is ruling a person's life. On the other hand, it could be something else. A divorce can take place. And when that takes place, it shatters people's lives. And as a result, people have broken hearts. Broken hearts, shattered lives, a tearing apart of their spirit. And as a result, I mean they're in a state of emotional upheaval and they don't know what to do. 
something goes wrong in a marital relationship or a relationship with a child or something like that, and all of a sudden we have all this emotional upheaval and hurt surrounding us. We're in a position or a place that we're open to all kinds of thoughts that can come in. And if we're not careful, we can give place to that until it finally dominates our spirit lives and controls our spirit lives. And beloved, the Bible teaches us that we shouldn't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. There's no temptation given to man but that which we're able to bear. But if we have this idea that we can't fall, if we have this idea that we're never going to miss the mark, then our attitude is wrong and we better watch out, the Bible says, lest we do fall. Because we are still living in physical bodies and we still have emotions that have not been totally dealt with the Word of God. And if we allow those things to dominate our lives, we can be controlled by emotional upheaval. Our spiritual growth can be stymied and, and our spiritual lives can be controlled. And I'll be frank about it. People end up just going off and taking their lives and doing all kinds of terrible things because they just have no reason for living when those things happen. Someone loses a mate or something like that or, or a child dies, a young child. All kinds of things happen that, that people will go and take their lives for. And we have to realize that as a, an emotional being, our emotions have got to be dealt with with the Word of God. And so what I want us to do is just maybe, let me just give you this as an example. Let me illustrate to you something. First of all, let's say financial pressure can cause emotional upheaval within your life. And you're at a place where there's a lot of stress and you don't know what to do with your emotions and you don't know what you're going to do with the bills. And, and, and all this pressure comes against you and you just don't know what to do. You have no release for it. And sometimes if you talk about it, you complicate matters even more so because all you do is talk about the problem and talk about the problem and talk about the problem and talk about the problem constantly and continuously and there seemingly is no way out. Well, then what do you do? Here's where we've got to recognize that our battle is not with flesh and blood and that our warfare is a spiritual warfare and that we have got to do something with our emotions so as to overcome before them before they overcome us. I share this testimony many times. I'll use it again right here. I believe it bears repetition. When we were in Tulsa and we encountered financial difficulty and had $2 left to our name, in reality, we did not know what to do. Other than to look to the Word of God. Because we were far away from home. We had no one to turn to. We had no friends. You know, it's different when you're out there and you don't have friends. It's different when you're out there and you don't know anyone. We just left. We left Youngstown and, and went to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Knew no one there and all that. It's like starting life all over again. So people think, well, you've always been over there, been preaching the gospel forever. Well, that's not true. I wasn't born with a suit on. You know, we encounter problems just, you know, every single day of our lives, just like people, you know, out there encounter problems in, in their lives. We're no different than, than, than everyone in the world today. We're all the same. And so we were there having difficulties and having problems. And, and we we're at a place where it was very difficult for us to put food on the table. Going to school part-time, working part-time, and, and you sold all, left, you left your job and all that. The wife was pregnant. And the whole scenario, I mean, we've been there. $2 after the name, $200 bill comes for the, for the rent and all that, and you just don't know what to do. And I sat down with the Word of God. And I want to say this loudly and clearly so everybody can hear. It's not wrong to vent. It's not long to release that pressure that builds up on the inside of you by stating the facts. When we encounter emotional upheaval, it's not wrong to get that out of us, but we've got 
to do it properly. If we don't do it properly, it'll work against us. If we do it properly, it will work for us. This time I got before the Lord on my knees and I said, Father God, and I began to vent. If I went by outward appearances, look at verse 7 there. Do you look on things after the outward appearance? Well, we can. Do you look on things after the outward appearance? According to the outward appearance of things, things look bleak. Hopeless. There's no way we're going to be able to do it. And all these thoughts come against your mind and your emotions and they want to dominate. Why are you out here going to school? Look at the mess you made of your life. Your wife is pregnant. She's going to have a child. You gave up your insurance where you worked. How are you going to afford to pay on minimum wage right now? You've left your job. You did all that. You're out here. You're studying the Bible. You're going to, you're, you're going to school, studying the Bible and all that. What did you do to your, to your life? What have you done with your lives? All these thoughts were against your mind. You know, you always paid your bills on time and did all these different things. And all of a sudden, your whole life is in one state of upheaval. What do I do with my emotions? Do you look on things after the outward appearance? I got before the Lord and I said, Father God, if I went by the way things appear and the way things look, here's my checkbook. These are the circumstances. This is what is being dictated to me right now. It's not wrong to talk to God that way, and it's not wrong to talk to another brother or sister in the Lord that way. If you find yourself encountering a difficulty in your life, and you have emotional upheaval, and you need to vent, you need to release that, talk to somebody that you can trust in the Lord, and someone that you know will give you the Word of God. If you know that person will sympathize with you only, only sympathize with you, then I'll tell you what, that person is not going to help you out. When you know that person will be compassionate towards you, will stand by your side, will love you, will hear you through, listen to you, say all that you want to say, if you looked at the outward appearance, if you looked at the problem, this is the scenario. And then they release that and they give that out to you. If you know that person will look you right back in the face and say, you know what, I know that that's the way it looks. I know that that's how it appears to be. Now, you know what? You just helped that person release all that pressure that was building up in their emotions that would have driven them to do something wrong, to make a mistake. But once they release that, you once again give them the Word of God back and say, but I know that you're doing what the Word of God says. Because you don't look at things after the outward appearance You don't go by your emotional feelings and emotional desires, emotional hurts and the upheaval that you have. You're a person that's dominated by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And your spirit man is in control in this situation. That's what I was doing with God. He was my partner at that time. I told my wife, honey, everything's going to be okay. And I began to vent to God. I began to release all that emotion, emotional upheaval that was being built up on the inside of me. And I said, Father God, this is the way it is in the natural. This is the way it is according to outward appearances. This is the way it looks. And if I was going by all that, I know I'd be going under. I would sink and not swim. But then I turned right on over to the Word of God. And I said, Father God, this is what your Word said. This is what your Word said. This is what it says to me. It says, you supply all my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I choose to act according to your word and not according to my feelings or my emotions or anything like that. Not according to my checkbook, my financial status or anything like that. I choose to act upon your holy written word. 
And when I did that, I did that. I set faith in motion. I said, I believe I received the $200 that I need to pay this bill and, or to pay for the, for the you know, rent for, for the apartment. I believe I received that within four days from Sunday to Thursday. We received five days. We received a check in the mail for $200. It's, I'm, I'm condensing it. But we received it because our faith was working in the realm of the spirit and our emotions were not controlling our spirit man. Now remember, every single time, every single day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, until Thursday, every single day, I was challenged in my emotions. I was challenged to get out of faith. I was challenged to depart from the Word of God. I was challenged to allow my physical body through the unrenewed mind, through my emotions, to dominate my spirit man and just abort the whole plan of faith. But every time I used it as an opportunity to vent, just to release anything that would come up against me. And I would just say, you know what? Devil, I'm not going to listen to anything you have to say. I'm not concerned about the way it looks. It doesn't matter to me how it looks. It doesn't matter to me what the checkbook says. What matters is to me is what the Word of God says regarding this situation. And once again, when you confess that properly, you are doing something with your emotions, whether you realize it or not. You are releasing at that particular time the pressure that builds up on the inside that would cause a person to act apart from the will of God, apart from the Word of God, according to their own emotional hurts or even desires. And I did that on a day-by-day basis, dealing with the emotional realm with the Word of God until the promise of God was fulfilled in the natural realm. And we received it, and we had that need met. But that's concerning finances. But there are other situations where people have suffered emotional hurt as a result. Like I said, either a divorce takes place or the loss of a loved one or, or other things that can happen in a person's life that would cause emotional upheaval. Maybe there's conflict somewhere, you know, where you work or whatever, and you have emotional upheaval in your life. Maybe your wife left you, your husband left you, all these different things that can cause emotional upheaval. What does a person do? Well, beloved, there are those that would just turn and say, well, the world has a way and the world has a solution to the problem. You know, we thank God for whatever man can do to help any other human being that only God has a solution to our problems. And that includes spirit, soul and body. And maybe we have neglected the spiritual or the emotional realm, and I don't want to do that. But I'll tell you what, we have to learn how to deal with our emotions with the Word of God. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is telling these people to do. He said, your battle is not with flesh and blood. Your battle is not in the flesh realm. He said, your battle is in the spiritual realm, and it involves your soul. And he says, if you are going to overcome, you can't look at things after the outward appearance. What you have to do is look at things... From a spiritual perspective. And then, are you ready for it? Cast down every thought, every imagination, and high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bring into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. We are then responsible ourselves to do this for ourselves. And in a lot of cases, in most cases, I say, you know, we can do that if we'll learn how to do it. We must first learn the Word of God, receive the engrafted Word, which is able to save our souls. Otherwise, our souls will hook up with our bodies and the two will dominate. 
We must find out what the Word of God says in a situation, and then whatever exalts itself up above the Word of God, we're to take that thought and t- take it captive, and we are to bring it down, and then bring everything that we think of into line with what the Word of God says, and not what the thought says. We're to examine the thought and determine, is it spiritual? Is it what the Lord says, what, what the Word of God says, or is it appealing to my emotional desires? Is it the flesh trying to dominate me? Is it evil forces trying to dominate my life and my thinking to get me to do wrong things? In other situations, I say it's very difficult. Because here's a brother, here's a sister, and as I said, maybe the wife left, maybe the husband left, and that person's life is shattered. That person's heart is broken. That person does not know what to do. And sometimes it's very insensitive just to walk up to a person and just say, well, you know, brother... You know, where's your faith? That's stand on the Word of God. Well, all that may be true, but how many of you know that knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth? You know, you can have all kinds of knowledge, but if you're not ministering the truth in love, then you're not edifying. You're not building that person up. You're giving him the, the Word of God, the letter of the law, and, and, and not, you know, concerned about the fact that that person is an emotional being and has emotional hurt, and that person needs the, the power of God to restore him, to make him whole, or her whole, whoever, you know, the case, whoever the person is, whatever the case may be. And so it's important to know that if you're in that state of mind, or if you know someone who is in that state of mind, it is very important for you to know that if you're the person, you need to find somebody out there who you can trust, who has the Word of God within them. Because you're probably not in an emotional state at this point to make right choices and right decisions. Because of the deep wound, because of the deep hurt on the inside, you can't be controlled by your emotions to do wrong things. You need to find someone you can trust who knows the Word of God and begin to share your heart. That person knows the Word of God. That person is concerned about your spiritual condition. That person is concerned about your life. That person is motivated by love. That person will not repeat your problem to anyone. That person will minister to you the word of truth. You may go to that person and say, well, look, I've encountered this difficulty in my life. Uh, You know, my wife left me, my husband left me, or this tragedy happened, or that tragedy happened. You know, I'm hurt, and I don't know what to do, and it's, you know, is my my life worth living? Uh, You know, I just don't know what to do. I'm in a state of upheaval. I don't even want to go to church anymore. I don't feel like being around anybody and all that sort of thing. What am I going to do? Your body is controlling you through your emotions, holding your spirit in bondage, Making you, giving you this scenario, this picture, that your life is worthless, that you have low self-esteem, your life has no meaning, you're a failure at life, you're a failure maybe at all these different things that you thought you were doing well at in life. And now, that, those thoughts are trying to control you to bring you to a place of utter destruction. I can hear you out. I can hear what you have to say as you tell me all that you've encountered. But I'm going to minister back to you the Word of God and let you hear 
what God's word says until it so registers upon your heart and mind that it controls you. Beloved, I believe we need to have places where people can go where they can hear the word of God on a constant basis until they come out from beneath all that emotional upheaval. I believe that. I believe that we can minister the Word effectively to people this way that will help them overcome emotional problems that would send them to you know, a mental health center somewhere. I believe that. You know, a lot of Christians end up in mental health centers. Did you know that? Because they have not learned how to deal with their emotions. And remember, where does the enemy attack? Right there in the mind. To get a hold of that mind... To control that mind, to control your emotions until you make wrong choices and wrong decisions about a lot of different things. So if you are the person who is in need of help, you find that other person, but you make sure you don't find somebody, as I said, who's going to sympathize with you because they're not going to help you out very much. They're not going to do you much good. They may just hook up with you and say, yeah, that's right, you know, go and do this and go and do that and do all these different things. That's not what you need to hear at that time. You know, they'll listen to you. They'll listen to what you have to say. But because they love you and that love goes further, deeper, because it's a spiritual compassion that they have for your life, they're not just going to sit there and side, side with you. They'll let you vent and, and release all that that's on the inside of you. But they're going to direct your heart back into the Word of God until eventually your mind is renewed once again to what God's Word says about your situation. And then once your spirit man gains the ascendancy and then your mind is totally renewed to what God's Word says about the situation, God will begin to work on your behalf. He'll bind up the wound, mend up the broken heart. And, you know, I'm giving you a hypothetical case, but if, if that was the situation, He could then begin to work toward restoring your marital relationship or restoring whatever, you know, damage that was caused in that, in that problem of relationship or whatever it is. So it's our responsibility to know how these things work. They begin as thoughts and then images and then strongholds. And when these satanic strongholds are built up in people's lives and they don't know what to do with their emotions, beloved, they may need to go to somebody who can give them the Word of God. They may not be in a position emotionally that they can deal with it properly. And so, therefore, be sensitive to where a person is at, especially if they have encountered a tremendous emotional hurt in their lives. Be sensitive to where a person is at so that you can be a support to that person so that you can assist that person and aid that person. Yes, comfort that person because you're giving a place where they can vent. But also, you are giving them the Word of God and directing their hearts back into the Word of God. So they can rise up above the problem. And God can do a work in their spirit lives. Teach them this. That when thoughts war against your mind that would dictate to you and tell you that you're not worth anything, your life is a shambles, your life is shattered now and you're not cared for or whatever the scenario is, you take that thought and you cast it down. It's a thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You cast it down. And I'll tell you what, when this is talking about the, the weapons of our warfare being spiritual and they are powerful, they are mighty through God, it's talking about this. If you've even come to a place in your life that the enemy has just developed real estate, you know, in your life and built these strongholds in your life, what you can do is, did you ever see a superstructure, a building that's been up for a long particular period of time and it's an old structure and it's, beginning, it's now dilapidated and they want to bring that down, but it's right there, in, right in the in, in middle of the city? 
And so what they do is they set charges strategically throughout that building. And what they do is then, you know, they blow the building apart and it just comes down in, in a few seconds, a few moments of time, just comes down, boom, just like that. And it's all right there. And it's not scattered everywhere throughout the town, but it just, it just falls, you know, down just like that. That's what this is talking about. When the enemy has developed stronghold, a stronghold in a believer's life, then that person needs to get a hold of the Word of God and take it and just like setting charges throughout that building, charge his, himself up with the Word of God, get himself so filled up with the Word of God in that area of life, and then in the powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ, call that stronghold down. And it's just like Blowing up that building, it falls just like that. Well, that stronghold that was built up in that person's life then will come down. But the work, beloved, is getting that person back into the Word of God in a right frame of mind, getting their minds renewed to the Word of God so that they can deal with their emotions with the Word of God, not with someone else's sympathy. Because when a person sympathizes and, and, you know, you keep sympathizing with somebody, it just makes them get deeper and deeper and deeper and the hurt to get bigger and bigger and bigger. But when you say to somebody, look, I have compassion for you, that is sympathy. But it's also coupled with a yearning desire to alleviate the problem or the suffering that person is encountering. And so I sympathize with you. I, I understand the problem that you're going through. I know what you're encountering in your life. But you know what? I go beyond that. I have a yearning desire to lead you into a place of victory so you can overcome that. And no matter what it is, maybe a person's been out there and they've been involved in drugs or alcohol or they've been bound up by some habit. And they try to get off that thing and the stronghold has been built in that person's life. Once again, know that your body through the unrenewed mind is controlling your spirit, holding it in bondage. But you can reverse that. You can get a hold of the Word of God. You can feed your spirit with the Word of God until the Word of God, the engrafted Word, is planted inside the heart. And then slowly but surely, the mind is changed. It is renewed to what God's Word says. Your emotions then are being controlled by the Word of God. You're not letting your emotions control your spirit. And then your spirit man will release the force and the power in the name of Jesus It'll overcome. It'll drive out that thing that held you in that bondage. Pulling down that satanic stronghold in the powerful name of Jesus by casting down every thought and every image or reason or imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And beloved, this is one thing that we have got to learn to do if we are going to grow and develop spiritually. We will never grow beyond that. If we do not learn to renew our minds to what God's Word says, and then in the heat of battle, I'm talking about in the midst of all the upheaval, all the difficulty, all the problems. You might be left out there on your own someday. Maybe you've gone to somebody. They've given you the Word of God. But all of a sudden, you're out there on your own somewhere. And all of a sudden, that temptation comes upon you. Or that force comes once again in full power to try to get you to fall one more time. It's then your responsibility to stand fast and firm, invincible in the Word of God. Look to what God's Word has said and spoken and say, No, I cast down that thought. I cast down that image. I cast down that reason. You know your mind will try to reason things out with you. You should go home and eat. You're hungry. You should fall off to sleep because you're tired. Don't read the Bible today. You've got a lot to do. This needs done. That needs done. This needs done. All this has to be taken care of. And before long, you know what we do? We side up with the body. 
And we reason things out in our mind. No, we've got to rise up and say, you know what? No. As far as I'm concerned, the most important thing is the Word of God in my life. I will not do that. I bring that thought down. In Jesus' name, I pull it down. I will not yield to it. And all the other areas. Your life is worth nothing. You are a failure. You're not a success. I'll tell you what, you know what, go to somebody and if you have to call that partner of yours, if you're in the heat of battle and you don't know which way you're going to go, you call that person and say, you know what, if I went by my emotions, if I went by my feelings, if I went by my human reasonings, I would right now make a wrong choice and do the wrong thing. That person will say to you, you know what, you don't have to go by outward appearances, you don't have to go by your emotions, you have to go by your feelings, you have got the Word of God in you, it's alive in you, it's more powerful than you, you can make the right choice and I agree with you that you will in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll rise up with that reinforced strength and power of agreement in your life and you'll blow that stronghold apart with the power of the name of Jesus. It'll come down and your emotions will not control you. You'll control your emotions with the Word of God. And the more you do it, the more natural or supernatural, I should say, it becomes in your life. And the easier it is for you to do. Let me give another scripture here before we close this thing. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Sometimes our children go, you know, and, and do some things that, you know, we don't want them to do. We pray for them. We support them in faith and love. We believe they'll make right choices and do the right thing. We understand that. But do you understand my language when I tell you that that's as far as what we're believing for is not always made manifest in a child's life? I mean, children do... They are growing up and sometimes they rebel and make wrong choices and wrong decisions. Sometimes before I think we should just get on their case, we should just realize how much as children of the Lord growing up, we allow rebellion to take place in our body and soul. You know, a child of God who's not growing is one whose body and soul have rebelled against the things of God, the Word of God, the Spirit of God. Do you know that? And your body will always rebel and so will your soul unless we do something about it in the Word of God. Unless we make a decision. And so when we talk about rebellion in our children's life, what about our own lives when it comes to the things of God? Well, anyhow, if a child does make a wrong decision and you're experiencing emotional upheaval, and you know, sometimes as parents, we can just get together and say, well, you know, mine's on, they've done this and, and done this and, and all that, and we feed the problem and feed the problem and feed the problem and feed the problem. We realize the problem exists. We realize there's hurt because you want your child to do the right thing. But I'll tell you what, sometimes we need to pair up with people that you know that are going to stand by you and, and firm in their faith. And say, so, you know what, I realize that you're, you know, forget about embarrassment. I realize that your child is a human being just like any other child on the face of this earth. No matter who you are, what your name is, or what you stand for, no one's exempt. I mean, beloved, I, sometimes I think we put too much of a demand upon our children, you know, the, even ourselves. Think about it. Some of these great, these men with the great God, these men of great faith, you look at their lives and you see sometimes, many times, they fell themselves. You know that as well as I do. You can read right on through the, the whole Bible. And you can find out that they were human faults and failures and frailties and all these different things that they encountered in life. So we're not giving you some kind of a, of a picture that you're never going to have a difficulty in your life. You're never going to encounter any problem. And your child will never make a mistake because you've come here and you've learned the word of faith. That's not what, what the Bible teaches. That's not what we teach. What we do teach is this. When it does happen, we have learned how to take our stand. We have learned how to put spiritual forces to work for us so that they can, so God can move in that highway upon that child's life and get them to make the right choice, the right decision. Just like the father of the prodigal son. He didn't go out chasing his son, let him, he went off, did his own thing. But you know what? I'm sure he stood before God in prayer. 
That's my child belongs to me. I'll tell you what, Father God, if he wants to go make all, whatever he's doing right now, I'm looking to you, not the outward appearance. I'm looking to you. You're the, the mighty one. You're the holy one. You're the worthy one. You're the only one that can touch that heart and change that life. Well, beloved, rather than, you know, getting in sorrow and sympathy and all that sort of thing, what, what we're saying is we need to hook up together with people. Hook up with those people that you know will not take your problem down the street. Hook up with somebody that you know will not just sympathize with you only and allow you to vent and stop short. Someone that's going to stand by your side and say, are you done now? Are you finished telling me the problem? Are you ready? Well, already you made a covenant agreement already. They already gave you the right or the, 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 the liberty to look you square in the eye, eyeball to eyeball and say, are you done? I'm done. You ready to get back into the word of God now? Yes, I am. Let's go. You know what the word says. Let's look to God together. Let's join our forces together. Let's, let's join hands and pray together. We believe that God is at work in our children's lives. We believe that whatever hurt was caused, God is binding up the wound and the broken heart. We believe that no matter what's going on, God is ever drawing them nigh, drawing them back by His Spirit, by the Word, by the influence of His angels. Whatever He has to do, God is moving. Let's join forces together like that and agree together like that. And beloved, we'll do something with those emotions of ours. Sometimes I think what people do is they try to take too much. They bite off more than they can chew. And they're afraid to, 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 to reveal to somebody else or to talk to somebody. I agree you shouldn't tell a thousand people. But I'm telling you something. If two of us agree on this earth, why do you think Jesus said that? There are times you need to have somebody to stand with you by your side because your emotions are in a state of upheaval. And you know that a time that maybe you're right there and your emotions are dictating you to make a wrong decision or whatever. You can get them on the phone or whatever and say, look, talk to me. You know, let, 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 let's talk the word of God right now. Because if I went by my feelings, if I went by emotions, you know, this is what would happen. This would be the scenario. This would control my life. And they'll, they'll just hook up with you right there. Beloved, we need to use the things that God gave us. Jesus said, two of us agree on this earth is touching anything we shall ask. It will be done by our Father which is in heaven. We need to use the power of agreement properly, accurately, so that we can have proper results. In chapter 4, Philippians. Here's one thing we can say. Here's one thing that we can do to encourage one another in the Lord. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known on all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Sometimes I think we need to hear it like a broken record. Don't worry about the problem. Don't worry about the problem. Don't be full of anxiety. Don't be full of fretting. Don't be full of worry. I understand what you're going through, brother. I understand what you're going through, sister. I realize the problem looks so big right now. I realize the hurt is real deep. I realize it seems like life is not worth living. I realize from all outward appearances, you know, you just want to check out of this place and say, Lord, take me home. You know, there are times I've seen people that come up to me and say, I just wish the Lord would just take me home and just, just take me out. Out of this place, this realm of life. You know, when I think about that, I just wonder. They, they, I realize the hurt that one must encounter to make such a statement. But beloved, I also realize by what degree or to what degree that person has lost total perspective and total focus on the things of God and the things of life. 
That life is so valuable. That life is so precious. That life is so meaningful. God, need, I look at that person. I say, I know God needs you. He needs you on this earth. You've got children. You've got this. You've got whatever. You are needed. God needs you to do His work. Your life is valuable and precious and important. I know that you've lost focus, brother. You've lost, lost perspective, brother. We've got to get you back in line with the Word of God. We've got to put some self-esteem in you. We've got, you, we've got to get you to see and understand and know that God loves you. Jesus died for you. Your life has meaning. Your life is needed. God needs you to work for Him on this earth. God is working with you, for you and in you. Whatever your problem is, He is your problem solver. And He wants to stand by your side to comfort you, encourage you, help you, assist you. And whatever you need, He says, I'll be your help. And that means I'll make it if necessary. I'll make it if I have to. If I don't have it to give to you, I'll make it to meet your need and to help you in your time of trouble. That's what we need to tell people. That's what people need to hear. So that we don't just get so built up on the inside with all the problem, we're about to explode and do wrong things. I do not want us to be guilty, beloved, of this. Ignoring the fact that people are emotional beings with emotional needs. Don't hide behind this confession of faith business and say, I've had this happen to me where people would not tell me their problem. And you know what? I couldn't help them. Because they didn't want to make a bad confession. That is a proper, improper perception of what faith is all about. Because like I said, I told my problem to God. I said, my checkbook says $2. That was no lie. And some change. I said, I need 200 If I went by what that checkbook says, forget it. But your word says this. See, it's not wrong to do that. But when you're doing it, it just, there's a release there in your emotions. You got it out. Do you ever find that when you go and tell somebody, at least even what the problem is, when you've conveyed to somebody, there's like a release, you just release all that pressure? But the thing is, don't stop there. And also, use your language properly. If I went by emotions, if I went by my feelings, then this would be the scenario. And if you find out that person is telling you that, and you know they're looking to you for help, then say, well, you know what, aren't you thankful to God that we don't have to go by our feelings and emotions? All that's out of you right now. Let's look to what the Word of God says about your situation. Don't worry. Be careful for nothing. In everything, my prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And finally, brethren, He tells us what to do with our minds. Once we have taken every thought captive, pulled down the satanic stronghold, dealt with our emotional feelings and all that, start thinking on things that are Good, lovely, good report. Listen to what he says. Which of things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report? If there be any virtue or praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Do you think we're the only ones teaching this kind of message? The Apostle Paul was telling these Philippians, he was telling them this. Your mind's going to give you a problem. Worry is going to give you a problem. You'll be tempted to worry and have anxiety and you'll shut God out of the problem. Rather, give thanks to God. Let your request be, known, be made known to God. And as you do, then thank Him for the answer. Thank Him for the answer. Father, if I went by, the, by, by my emotional feelings, this is the scenario. But I'm not. So you've released all that. I'm going by your word. I'm thinking on things that are good, true, good, honest, lovely, good report. Thinking on these things. And Paul says, look at, look, read verse 9 again. Those things which you have both learned, received, 
heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. In other words, Paul learned these things. Jesus taught him. Paul was teaching others to do the same thing. He says, you've learned it of me. You've received it from me. You've heard it. You've seen it in me. Now you do it. You act upon it. And he goes on saying, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content or independent of circumstances. I know both how to be a base and how to abound. Everywhere I go or in things that I'm instructed both to be full and be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. And if I can say it from the Amplified Bible, I'll read it to you here. Paul was saying, he has learned. I can do all things through Christ who infuses strength into my innermost being. He learned how to do that. He learned how to do that not by ignoring problems, but how to deal with problems and emotional feelings properly. He says here, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. That is, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. So in other words, he soaks inner strength into our innermost being. As we act that way, as we release the problem to God, as we speak the word and think on right things, pulling down the thoughts and imaginations that exalt himself against his knowledge then what God does is infuses strength that we need on the inside of us to stabilize our emotions and to cause our spirit man to the renewed mind to control the physical body so that we are not overcome. Amen. I'll tell you what I like to... I'd really like to talk one-on-one with people along these lines because I think it's essential and very important. A lot of people are being overcome because they don't know what to do with their emotions. And you know what? Your emotional feelings are real. You're an emotional being, but they can't dominate our lives. And they won't if we'll learn how to do it right, according to the will of God. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Can you say amen? Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.